On this episode, we discuss a new office feature to kill mass reply alls. We talk about an iPhone 12 leak. There's delays with the Mavic Air 2 and leak information about the next Apple TV. Plus, Chris is excited for more community and I give an update about my 3D printing endeavors. This and more in this week's show. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official guineageek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the Gunna Geek Show on Fire. This is SP. Hey guys, how's it going? We have a great show tonight and I, I love it because even Chris is sharing the Apple love. You know who he just passed the ball to? That was Chris. Yo, yo, we do all this away from the mic because that's how the cool guys do it. I got to lean and be away. <laughs> is that why I started out saying, yo, on fire because we're cool guys now? Is that what we're going to do now is be cool guys? I'm just going to put my feet up. No, I'm not because my glass, my desk is glass, but I'm going to lean back and Can't, give you guys bad audio. Yeah, why not? This here, is good. Well, here, let me switch to the try and then we can extract this here. Oh, that's just awkward. <laughs> we'll, we'll all do that. Why not? There, there. Oh, for the audio listener, all of us are uh, leaned uh, away from our microphones outside of the shot. Uh, it's riveting audio. I know that. All of us are leaned away from our microphones. Don't you guys have boom arms? Just grab it and bring it to you. There's one thing that I grabbed during this show, and I'm not going to talk about it. His headphones. <laughs> I hope you don't. <laughs> all right, let's talk actually on a serious note. 3D printing. I mentioned a while ago, I start, a while ago, I've started to do some 3D printing, and today I had an opportunity to use it for something fun. I got dropped oh, on my no. work meetings that they're going to start doing video. I want to do video meetings now, so I'll have to shower first thing in the morning. It sucks, but it is what so it is. Who? They can't smell you over the internet. Uh, yeah. True. I don't then understand. I got, okay, I got to attempt to have some form of no bad head. But in any case, I was like, where it off. I am one of those people that have a spare Logitech camera sitting around, and I'm like, don't you have a USA ball cap? Didn't you get that last year? Just wear that. Is wear a beanie. I actually just threw that out. Okay, sorry. So not, not anything mean, but I was just like, I went through an office purge and I got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, ah, the gag's Steven hates the USA. <laughs> the gag's been played. I'm like, I'm, I'm the gag's done. And it really didn't sing, fit me well sing, at all either. So <laughs> sing that to the tune of Lee Greenwood's God bless the USA. Anyways, uh, so I think I still have my flags, though. I do. See, I kept the, the, the flags because... As he's wearing a Captain America t-shirt. Damn, I kept the flags, kept the flags. But um, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get my Logitech C920 camera set up so I can use it for work. And I know what I can do. I have myself a uh, cheapo microphone boom that I can use. And that seems like a good opportunity to pos position my camera. So I need to get myself one of these, these uh, Zoom MA2 clips. This is, if you're not familiar with the Zoom MA2 clip, it's something I've used for my streaming for a long time. Basically, it looks like a cone that is shaped like a microphone, but on the top, there's a threaded screw 
for a screw on camera like the Logitech C920. Too. Why would you put a threaded screw in your ice cream cone? Because it tastes good. Uh, it's good. It's alternative to Jimmy's. So, by Extra the way, iron. Yeah. So, anywho, do you uh, have like a chrome or a zinc deficiency that we don't know about? It's true. That's none of our business, SP. So he doesn't I went, have to share that medical, so I went, medical detail. So I went on Amazon.ca and I found that they were sold out. They were sold out and it was I was either going to have to order from someplace that was coming from who knows where or wait for them to eventually show up. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I can solve this by 3D printing myself one. And so I was able to find the right threaded bolt pattern and i've made myself a little 3d cone and it works out perfectly plus as sp pointed out i can also put ice cream on top of it so for the audio listener i'm holding what i just described a cone with a threaded piece on the top and so it is uh i was able to solve the problem and they're not the the actual zoom ones are not expensive it was just i wanted it and, and i wanted it now and so it works out uh pretty well so i made my own little camera adapter by ripping off the design of the zoom and of course if i sell these i did not rip off the design so what are you what are you going to use it for on the gunna geek show with those other camera is this your production shots so you can sweep over to the stream deck or something like that or is this your from behind steven's headshot you're going to position the arm like over your shoulder so it can stare at us staring at you there's no it's for work purposes only at this time so far, one day, one day. Dream big, my friend. Dream big. <laughs> so, SP, uh, well, I know I posted it on our Discord earlier and you replied, but I thought I'd bring it up here since we talk 3D printers occasionally. But hey, you're not the biggest fan of the fact that I did that, are you? I thought it was great. I was just pointing out to anybody in America that it is available at another vendor in America. You know, that... America that you hate. I don't hate America. I love America. I think both you and Chris hate America. What? When did I say that? How did I get lumped in on this? Chris hates Tesla, so Chris hates America. There's a lot of people that hate Tesla right now, let's be honest. The, only the people that live in California. Texans love them. This is just all sorts of wrong paths. Let's get on the track here. Let's get the train back on the track and let's talk a little bit about mass replies. I was just talking a minute ago about how there is work emails that I am a part of because I am part of a corporation that I work for. So, well, I'm not part of the corporation. I work for the corporation. And one of the things that I have seen and many, many other people have seen working for large corporations is a mass Reply all fail. If you're not aware of this, this is when an email blast comes out to a mailing list. Usually it's like a, hey, everybody, FYI, there's soup in the lunchroom or hey, this is the policy change. And somebody accidentally clicks reply all instead of reply, which means that everybody else on that mailing list gets hit with that. And usually when this happens, there is a string of people who don't read and try to correct the situation. So they also reply all and say, hey, I think you sent this to the wrong person, to which somebody else does. This. These things can go on for a very long time in a corporation. I have been 
a part of one that went on all afternoon until somebody just said, everybody stop replying now. I think we get it. This happens more than you would like to think. Well, Microsoft is looking to kill this by implementing a new feature into Office 365. And what they're looking to do here is this is something that large corporations could enable on their mail server, where essentially we'll look for this sort of thing happening and block replies. The capability is going to detect when there is 10 reply all responses to over 5,000 recipients within 60 minutes. And when this happens, Microsoft's going to block any replies to that, that thread for four hours. People who try to re uh, reply at this time will see a message that notifies them that their email was not sent because the conversation is too busy. And it's going to also, here's a good idea, suggest that users try replying or forwarding directly to the recipient. So they're trying to curb this and prevent those all afternoon reply all trees. And I know that both of us or all three of us here have worked for large bodies, uh, companies, whatever you want to say, where we've probably all seen this at one point or another. Is this not a really good overdue idea? <laughs> Wait a minute. You're saying that we work for large bodies like like Kingpin? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I mean, SP. And this is going to help prevent Kingpin from accidentally replying all to all of his henchmen. Kingpin don't use no email. <laughs> How do you feel about this, SP? Are you excited for this? Ready to curb the reply all tree? In my organization, th there's an internal block to who can actually send email to the distro list that is everybody in the organization. So we've internally stopped it with some internal code at the server. But prior to that, there were a lot of reply all emails and it went pretty much as you said, is that somebody didn't realize that they were replying all or they did realize they were replying all and just wanted to be funny out to everybody, which is never funny. And then, of course, the reply is like, you should stop doing that, whatever. And it lasts all afternoon. So I'm good with this. If your company, if your server does not have the ability to block a email to a distro list that's going to all, that's great. The other thing is, if this goes out to a large distro, but it's not a distro list, this block, I don't think is going to work. Um... I don't see why it wouldn't work if they're all on the same mail server, like a corporation controlling the mail server. I think that it's probably smart enough to detect that because like if you look in Outlook currently, it's smart enough to to um, you can search by thread. And even though there's been replies on multiple days from multiple people, it's smart enough to put put it all together. I originally read the story where I read it, it said it was to distro lists. It wasn't to individuals. So if you put everybody's individual name on it, it was going to send it out. But I see in the show notes, it's any responses to over 5,000 recipients. So it, I guess it wouldn't matter if it's a distro list or an individual uh, email that's plugged into the email. 
Over 5,000 is kind of problematic, though, for some folks, because I don't know about you, the ones that are problematic at work aren't the ones that are like to the entire building. They're the ones that are to like an entire group or division or whatnot, where you're talking like maybe 60 to 80 people, where you get the inevitable reply to all because some of the folks may not necessarily be as tech savvy and they just hit reply and think they've hit regular versus reply to all. So yes, there's use on a grand scale, like if something sent out to the entire company, but I don't think it's quite granular enough to help with where I have the problem the most, which is for smaller scale things where you're talking hundreds of people. It's a good thought. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. What they really should do is they should just have a little checkbox that when you're sending it, you can disable reply all or something to an email. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a good good way to... It could be handled as well. But I guess we will see where this goes. All I know is that it's long overdue to even try to handle this on a uh, big Microsoft type level because Microsoft Office is throughout many, many corporations. So... I'm glad Microsoft. I don't know what you're this. talking about. I love Lotus Notes. It's the greatest office productivity suite ever. Long live the Lotus Notes, which I think has been dead for years. It's now I IBM say, Notes. You have your five and a half inch floppy or five and a quarter floppy that has Lotus loaded on it. <laughs> That's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to something that uh, SP is going to talk about with uh, Space News. Yeah, we're going to talk about Russian space, specifically the Russian human space flight program. And unfortunately, last week, since we last recorded, there was an announcement by the Russian space agency Roscosmos. And they said in a statement on Tuesday, May 5th, 2020, that the head of Russian human space flight program, Yevgeny Mikrin, M-I-K-R-I-N, has died following a diagnosis of COVID-19. Before his diagnosis, he had attended the April 9th launch of a Soyuz spacecraft carrying a NASA astronaut and two Russian cosmonauts to the International Space Station. However, on April 28th, the Roscosmos director, General Dmitry Rosgazin, said on Twitter that the incubation period for any crew exposure to coronavirus had passed and that the astronauts were feeling fine. So everything was good with the astronauts and on the International Space Station. In coverage of Mikrin's positive positive coronavirus test published on April 15th, Russian news agency TASS reported that Mikrin's coronavirus case was asymptomatic and that he was self-isolating at home. Official comments about his death do not specify whether his COVID-19 infection became symptomatic or if other conditions were at play. Quote, his passing is an irreparable loss for Russian's rocket and space industry, as well as the country's science, unquote. And that was from a Roscosmos official statement that was written in English. And Mikrin had worked for Roscosmos since 1981, according to the statement. And this was all a news item that I found on space.com by Megan Bartles. So... We don't know whether COVID-19 was the cause of his death or not, but we do know that he passed away after being diagnosed. Oh, sad to hear. Um, yeah, I, I have to admit I've made the assumption that it was due to it, but you're, you're absolutely correct that we don't know that for sure. So, you know, if it was because of it, I guess things like this are things that we couldn't expect 
with such a large pandemic that eventually something like this is bound to happen. But um, yeah, we don't know. So I, I don't have too much to say on it. Russia has not been very far. I, I was actually looking at the news at other news items in the last couple of days. And Russia has not really been forthcoming, kind of like what China wasn't originally in that they didn't know how many cases there really were. And it could have been a testing thing, really, just like it was early in the stages in the United States. And I'm, I'm guessing Canada as well. You just don't really know who has it, who does not have it, that sort of thing. And you don't know. Uh, it, what the cause of death is. I mean, there's still revising causes of death here in the United States, bringing the uh, death toll even higher. And that, that's a controversy in of itself. So I don't know if this is Russia just not divulging information or, or the information is just not there to divulge. I don't know if we'll ever know this or not, but Mikrin had been part of Roscosmos since 1981, and he was the head of the human space flight program, which is very important to the International Space Station. He was talking to a lot of people. So I'm just hoping that the Russian ISS team remains good to go. I mean, there's duplication over here in the United States, and we are starting to be able to launch our own individuals into space. So we're not really dependent on Soyuz anymore. I mean, we haven't done it yet, but it's coming up in the next couple of weeks here. So we could be good, but this just underscores the fact that if you have one system that's going to get people up and down into space, it's bad. You need to have multiple systems or you need to have multiple um, of the single systems like like uh, SpaceX is planning to have multiple ships, right? Multiple starships that can take off and, and land from a variety of different locations. And uh, I know Soyuz can only take off from the Balkanor Cosmodrome, and it, it could be an issue where you might have a lot of people infected in that area, might shut it down for a couple of weeks. So this is all things that the space industry is not immune to, no pun intended, but they still have to play in the same pond as everybody else when it comes to a pandemic. And unfortunately, this is uh, a very big loss to the Russian space program. Well, moving on to the next news point, Chris Farrell, you here are our, 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 our resident iPhone lovers. So you like to report on the latest and greatest happenings in the world of iPhone. So SP and I will just entertain you while you talk about iPhone for a few minutes. So there have been some leaks that have come out of iPhone 12 and some other things that are coming out from Apple. We'll touch on some of that in the rest of the show. But if you've been wondering what's on tap, the standard 5.4-inch iPhone 5 with dual cameras and OLED display will just be called iPhone 12. There will be a larger 6.1-inch version that will be called the iPhone 12 Max. If you step up to the Pro models, which have triple cameras and a LiDAR sensor, plus Samsung-made OLED panels, the 6.1-inch will be called iPhone 12 and the 6.7-inch iPhone 12 Pro Max. So there's your symmetry. Everything is a 12 with either Max or Pro added to it. Where it gets really interesting is iPhone 12's price. Supposedly, Apple is lowering the bottom end of its pricing structure again for the iPhone 12. So what does that mean? The cheapest iPhone, the 5.4-inch model with 128 gigs of storage, is rumored to be costing $649, which is $50 cheaper than the current cheapest iPhone 11. Why is this interesting news, especially for an Android person like me to bring up? Well, right now, arguably one of the best flagship Android phones out there is the Galaxy S20. 
You could argue the Pixel 4 might have been at one point, some of the other ones. But Galaxy S20 is the top of the line right now. OnePlus bringing some cool stuff out there. Their bottom line, their bottom line model is $1,000. So a $350 price difference between the bottom tier iPhone and the bottom tier flagship Android phone. This is kind of a big deal, especially as we saw Apple move into the iPhone SE market, putting out a $400 phone that competes on the mid-tier level. It's really interesting. It's a cool power play. As for the other phones, the 12 Max is going to start at $749, 12 Pro $999, and the 12 Pro Max $1,099. Your standard 12 bunch model, or excuse me, your standard 12 models have a storage choice of 128 gigs or 256 gigs of storage. And the Pro models, you can choose between 128, 256, or 512 gigs of storage. They will also supposedly have 5G capabilities in them as well. There's a ton of breakdowns of the specs, things like that. It's what you'd expect. They're moving up to the new A14 Bionic processor. They've added a little more RAM and they've tweaked the bodies of the phones. But the big thing to me is the bottom end iPhone 12, $649. It's a very compelling price point. And if you were someone who likes both Android and Apple or isn't bought into one ecosystem or the other, it's a pretty compelling price point for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to flip back to Apple for now. And honestly, if I weren't so bought into the Google ecosystem, I'd be tempted also because it's a phone you're guaranteed to get at least three years of support out of. It's going to run well and it costs less than these flagships. It's I'm glad Apple is starting to see that when it comes to some of these flagship phones, the price point is too high. $1,000 is not a price point people are willing to consider. And it is arguably why the S20 sales numbers are down compared to the S10, because people looked at that and went, nah, not enough there to make me feel like I need to buy a new phone. I'll hold off. So I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe we're starting to see a change in the price point across the market. And we'll have Apple leading the way again. And folks like Samsung or LG or Google themselves with the Pixel kind of look at this and go, well, crap, if uh, Apple's going to start going back towards these lower prices, maybe we need to start considering doing that the same. And I think that's good for consumers. So cautious optimism. Do you guys think I'm on the right track here? Or is this just Apple flexing their muscle to try and uh, take up sales? I totally agree with you, Chris. Uh, I've said that for for a while now that I get, even though I'm an Android user, I get really excited when Apple does something that I think is is right because it does seem like the market follows them. We've seen this time and time again with other things. Smartwatches is a great idea. Android should be miles ahead of Apple, but they're not. They were they were there years before Apple ever was, but it was a disaster. It was a complete failure. Apple came out. They did smartwatches, made things like Samsung uh, change things a little bit and made some of the other companies uh, think a little bit about it. And we saw that with the phone price increase. Apple was an insane price. We were like, Seriously, how can people afford these? And why would people keep buying Apple products if they are so much more than Android products and flagship Android products? And then we saw those prices increase and follow. So the fact that they are looking to uh, bring down the price of their base model, I think is great because there are people uh, like yourselves who aren't really bought into that idea of the iPhone SE, which I think is another really good alternative for lower prices. But this is now the the base tier of the you know the flagship model and i think that that's the right decision i think you're still going to have some people that are going to pick and choose specs and uh write off 
write off some of the things to do with the iPhone 12 base, like the size of the screen right away. I think people are some people will just go, oh, nope, that's that's not worth it. I, I'd rather pay a little bit more. But I, the options there nonetheless. So that's a legitimate concern when it comes to screen size. I get that. And that's why in the Pixel line, I've always gone for the XL version of the Pixel because I wanted that slightly bigger screen. But even if you go and look at the base model iPhone 12 Max, it's $749. You're talking $100 price difference to get a 5.4 inch versus a 6.1 inch screen. The value proposition is kind of there for me. I still think the base storage tiers are garbage on iPhones, but that's neither here nor there. They are still trying to push more and more people towards using cloud storage and stuff like that. And I will continue to say the iCloud storage prices are ridiculous when compared to things like Google's cloud storage. Yeah, so let's talk about the price point first. I got a lot to say about this. So it wasn't that long ago where the flagship phones, I got an iPhone 4S, I believe, in or yeah, 4S in my hand right now. It wasn't that long ago when these were subsidized. So the cost wasn't all that much. Now it's ballooned up to, and I've said over and over again, $1,500 phones. And I was saying that the next one's going to be closer to $2,000. I'm glad I was wrong. Two years ago, when they came out with the iPhone, I'm going to go to the top end of the line now. When they came out with the iPhone XS, it was $1,499. And then when they came out last year with the 11 Pro Max, it was $1,449. So it dropped $50. This year, it dropped an even another $50. And I think they're seeing that it's just too expensive for people to get. People like me have been holding on. They haven't been upgrading every year or two. They've been holding on to their three-year-old phone, which is thanks to Apple, very well made and able to get me to the three-year point, I'm hoping, so they don't have to bridge with another phone. And I am looking for the flagship phone. I, I, I like the camera. I like the bigger storage. So the iPhone 12 Pro Max, looking at this, if this holds, if this is not just a false leak, if this is really what's going to come out this fall, I'm looking forward to that $1,399 phone and with the 6.7 inch uh, screen. I love the fact that they're increasing the RAM to six gigabytes because I just think that it'll be more survivable over the years. And I love the 5G. What concerns me is I was really expecting one terabyte storage capability on the inside. Chris hit it on the head. The cloud storage is abhorrently expensive. 512 is going to do me for a year, year and a half, but eventually I'm going to have to go to cloud storage again, just like I am on my 8 Plus, which is 256. And I'm just going to get there because video, which I happen to keep on my phone, takes the 4K 60 frames per second video takes up a lot of storage space. So it's just going to get to that point where I'm going to have to go to cloud storage again, and it's expensive. So that's my one detriment to this whole thing. And I look forward to them either radically increasing the capability and keeping the price point the same or continuing to bring down that top price point as they bring out their flagship phones every year, because it's not that revolutionary. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Part of what's going on here is we've gotten to that point now where all of these new products each year, there's nothing that makes you go, oh my God, I have to have that. There's no new addition to any of the Android phones or the iPhones. They're like, this is game changing. I have to have it. LiDAR camera, come on, nobody gives a crap. It's going to be used for a couple gimmick things and nothing's going to come out of it. So how do you entice people to decide they need to upgrade other than be like, oh, my phone is old and it's not working? Start driving the price point down a little bit so people are more apt to upgrade on a yearly cycle instead of every two to three years. I think they have to do that until they can find some world 
not world, I don't know, until they can find some earth-shattering new feature to put on these phones that makes you go, I have to have it. 5G's not it. LiDAR camera's not it. I haven't figured out what it is. The removal of fingerprint sensors, I don't think is it because that is still one of the things I really want on a phone going forward, which is a limiting factor for me. I look forward to the day that Chris Farrell ends up um, switching back. He's going to do it. We know it. Well, well, let's be honest here. I've made no secret of the fact that while I may not have an iPhone, I have an iPad Pro 11 inch upstairs that I use every day for Facebook, Twitter, word processing, coloring book apps and stuff like that because there's not a good Android tablet out there. If you want a good tablet, you pay the markup for an Apple tablet. Let me ask you this, Chris. You use an 11 Pro, which is not the best. It's not the top of the line, but it is on the top tier. Well, I mean, why'd, you, why'd you go with the Pro versus the Air? Why? Because I got a better deal on it. It was open box at Best Buy, and I could still get Apple Care on it. So basically, I paid 350 bucks off of what the sticker price was because nice. I got an open box deal because there was a very fine scratch in the corner of the screen that you can't see, and it was still eligible for Apple Care for two years. So the guy that sold it to me was like, you know what you could literally do since you have zero dollar $0 deductible is just drop and be like, oh no, my screen shattered and get a brand new one. I did not do that, but that, that's honestly why I did it. It was just a price that I couldn't beat. And also because I wanted the pen capabilities, which I think they have pushed to the air now. I'm not 100% sure. As we record this, I realized my uh, Apple Pencil is hooked to the side of my uh, swing arm here because I was using it to take <laughs> notes on something earlier today. And is stuck it to something magnetic. <laughs> is it a Gen 1 or a Gen 2 pen? Gen 2. Okay. And also, when it came to the 11 that I have, this was right before this next generation came out, where the only real difference is it's the A12X chip instead of the 12 whatever they called it before, which has minimal differences when they went and did any of the tests on it. And I don't have a LiDAR camera. Well, whoop de freaking do I didn't care about the LiDAR camera in an iPad. I never use the camera in my iPad. If you're someone that uses the camera in your iPad on a day-to-day -day basis, like out in the world, you need to revisit things because <laughs> it is not the most convenient camera to use. Now that I'm at home and doing a lot more telework than I used to, and I don't know if that'll continue or not, but I'm really seeing the value of a full-size tablet versus the iPad mini that I have mm -hmm. would really like for all the reading that I have to do with like PDFs and something like that. I would like to set it on the side so I could read it while I'm working on my laptop. And I am going to get a bigger screen next time around. I don't know if it's going to be an air 11 inch pro 12 inch pro, you know, whatever they have on the market at the time, probably going to be next year. And I'll just go with that. So that's why I was curious about that. But this iPhone, let's get back to the story. This iPhone 12, I'm glad you covered it this time on this week, Chris, with the leak coming out. Because I definitely wanted to talk about it, but there's just another thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit more. So thank you for covering it. And yes, I, I know, I will admit, you love America. Mark. Also, by the way, um, before we go to the next news point, I just wanted to say I'm surprised how much lighter this is going to be. I looked it up and the iPhone 11 Pro uh, is 188 grams. And you said that it, iPhone 12 was five grams, right? You said 5G, five grams. That's the weight. Huh, is that huh, correct? Huh, huh. Uh. All right. Next news point here on that terrible joke. Uh, Mavic delays. We like to talk about drones occasionally on here. And uh, SP is a drone pilot. I'm a drone pilot. Chris is a drone pilot in spirit. And there was a Mavic Air 2 that came out recently 
DJI, one of the leading drone companies, did announce a new version of their Mavic Air. That's the drone that I have. And that was a couple weeks ago, I think about a week, week and a half ago, that they ended up finally releasing this, making it available for order. Well, apparently there is shipping delays. Many users are reporting that the DJI online store is not shipping things promptly. And unfortunately, people are having to wait for an extended period in North America and Europe as well. Apparently, there is no delays in Asia, but for North Americans and Europeans, there is an additional delay of three to six days, which while that might not seem that big to you, the thing is, this is in addition to what they're sort of saying on their website. And so people who are wanting to just get it right now and start playing and you kind of got to learn a little bit, it's your new toy. Drones aren't cheap and people want to make that purchase and then start playing right away. So I just wanted to mention that now because uh, I wanted to just bring up the Mavic Air 2. That's really the bottom line here. <laughs> First world problems for anyone who's super incensed over the fact that it's delayed a few more days on top of whatever it already is. We're in the middle of a pandemic, folks. It's okay. Things are not going to ship as quick as they should. Yes, I understand you want to play with your new toy. I sympathize. I understand. There are things I've ordered. I'm like, damn it, I want to play with that. But I do realize there are shipping delays and there are sourcing delays when it comes to getting parts to build these things. So yes, it's one thing to go on Twitter and be like, oh, damn, I was hoping to get this soon. It's another thing if you're someone else that goes on there like, I'm so mad. DGI, I should be getting this now. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to buy this product now. Then you're just an a-hole. I gotta admit, when this first came out, I was looking at the week before it came out, the DJI Mavic Air, I guess we'll call it one, Flymore packages were just ridiculously low. So I was very tempted to do that. But I did some comparisons back and forth with the Mavic Pro 2. And I'm like, well, I would still get the Pro 2 at this point in time. And then when the Air 2 came out, I did some comparisons. Yeah, there's some neat things with the Air 2, but I would still go with the Pro 2 for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but this is a great drone. I mean, if you want a professional 4K drone, the DJI Mavic Air 2 is a great first drone for you to have. If you can still get those Mavic Air 1 Flymore packs, they're still really good too. So this is a great time to be in the, the, the mode to learn how to fly drones. And just remember, wherever you fly drones, make sure you stay legal because mm -hmm. as we go forward, things are going to get tighter and tighter. So just make sure that you have your drone registered if you have to in your country, that you have all this pilot certifications that you require or pilot registrations, if it's just as simple as that in your country. Just make sure you stay legal as you're doing this because I'd hate for you to lose a $1,000 drone over just a stupid flying mistake that you weren't registered or you flew in the wrong area or something like that. So it, they're just very expensive toys to lose like that. Yeah. And SP mentioned a starter drone. I think that when you think about a starter drone, like if you are thinking about the Mavic Air 2, don't take that as a negative thing because I would say like as far as quote starter classification, a Mavic Pro 2 and a Mavic Air 2, they're essentially the same category for starter. Yes, the Mavic Pro is a little bit better, but when you're talking out of a starter category, we're going to a much larger drone. Uh, it was a Phantom SP. That's the next sort yeah, of the, yeah. The Phantom Four Phantom. and then the Inspire uh, yeah. is bigger from there. Yeah. So the the Air Two and the Pro are kind of the same. If you look at them, you'll see what I mean. They're they're kind of the same general idea. 
that's the sort of starter category. So lots of people, that's all they ever use. So don't don't take that negatively at all if you have been thinking about the Air 2 or the Air 1. They're fun. They're fun. They're fun to fly, but I, I 100% agree with SP. Follow the rules because changes will happen if you don't follow the rules. There's some a proposal in Canada right now with a whole bunch of other things, and some stuff is looking like they're, they are opening up the possibility to do some things that you weren't allowed to do before. But we're also looking at some other things of closing off some things because people are being stupid, like the sub 250 gram drones. So, you know, it's it's one of the things that don't be stupid and follow the rules or you ruin it for everybody else. All right, let's go to the hot topic of the hour. I think this is the number one topic. I'll just say it before he says it. Oh, I was right. That's my SP impression. <laughs> I didn't put this out there to say I was right. I put it out there to say, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so in the last week, there was a couple of reports that came out that said the new Apple TV 4K, which is the sixth generation, is ready to ship, which when it gets to that point in the leaks, that means that probably an announcement in a week or two. I'm guessing before I call on Stephen, I'm guessing that the leak the, or the announcement will be tomorrow. Stephen, what do you got? Uh, you say they're ready to ship. Like, is that deadliest catch? Is that what we're talking about? Ship or oh, spaceship? Sp Enterprise. The, Enterprise. the last ship. The last ship. Uh, the last ship. Okay. Ter Galactica? Ter no. <laughs> the last ship was a terrible TNT series. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watch it just because I was suckered in, but I do not recommend anybody watching The Last Ship. And there's a lot of great actors that came out of it. It's just uh, the story got really, really, they, they jumped the ship really hard. Jumped the ship. Anyway, there was a report that came out via a Twitter of, um, do I dare say his name? Do I, I guess I have to because I have to attribute it. John Prosser came out and he did a tweet on May the 7th at eight o'clock in the morning. And he said, new Apple TV 4K with an A12X processor, 64 gigabyte, 128 gigabyte, ready to ship. Now, were those capabilities revolutionary? No, it's been leaked months in advance. Matter of fact, I thought that this was going to be released at an Apple announcement in March, which didn't happen because of the pandemic. So he says the code name is Neptune T1125, which is attributed to the code of the new Apple TV OS. And he says another one of those things that could drop any time. I'll let you know if or when I hear a date. Who knows? Now, this was repeated in a couple of articles that I saw. A couple of ones that come to note are Slash Gear and Forbes did a couple of articles. So let's give a little history here. The last Apple TV generation update was in 2017 when the company rolled out its fifth generation set-top streaming box. The new generation six Apple TV is rumored to be in a similar shape and size to the fifth generation, so no really change to the fit form. It will carry twice as much memory in the 64 to 128 gigabyte variants versus the 32 to 64 gigabyte variants of the fifth generation, and it will update the processor from an A10X to an A12X. There have been no rumors to date about a revised Apple TV remote, which I know a lot of people Oof. hate in the fourth and the fifth generation. I have been watching this over the last couple of months since I upgraded both of my main TVs to 4K TVs in both my living room and my great room earlier this year. My daughter and I both are, have been sporting third generation Apple TVs 
which are starting to get to the end of life. So this is what piqued my interest, especially when HBO said they were going to end support of the Apple TV third generation at the end of May. Now, they've rescinded that because of COVID-19, but that is getting to the point where the third generation is going to be less and less capable because less and less apps are supported. And I will say, from what I understand, the third generation is a lot less capable with the apps to begin with. And you really have to go... I'm sorry, I believe it's a different OS too. That's right. Before they went to TV OS, it was uh, Apple TV OS or something like that. So it's an no longer supported OS. Yeah. So I've been I've been looking up upgrading for a lot of reasons, but the 4K TV was the final straw. So I'm like, okay, I got to look at what's available now. And fortunately, it happened right at the time where I knew that the new Apple TV was going to come out. And I knew the sixth generation was coming out. I just didn't know when. It would have been nice to have it at the beginning and stay at home, but okay, you know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't ready. I don't know if it was manufacturing on their end, shipping, or if it was just, this was the regular time that they were going to announce it. But I didn't want to buy a fifth generation or even a fourth generation at the full price that they are now, knowing that a sixth generation is going to come out, probably going to be the same price point. I just didn't want to throw my money away, just not waiting uh, a month or two for it. So that's why I've been looking closely at this and very glad to see that they're probably going to drop it at any time. Like I said, I bet you it's going to be tomorrow morning after we record this. <laughs> so that would be appropriate, right? Chris earlier was talking about the iPad and, and how he's got the need for that. And he uses the, the iPad for whatever reason. I'm not an iPad user because I don't really feel that need to. I like if I'm sitting around watching TV, I actually like having a laptop open. I prefer it. Um, but Apple TV, on the other hand, this is something that I think I will buy. I actually still am using a third gen. I missed that whole new generation, the fourth gen, because uh, it was working just fine for what it was. I don't have a 4K TV. I didn't need the extra apps. There was a couple times where I would have liked to have been able to get the app for it. But, you know, like Chris said, the TV OS is different. That's the fourth gen and not on the third gen. Third gen is very restricted of what third party support there is um, for like app. But I didn't need it. However, it is long in the tooth. It's slow. I use Fire TV 4K now primarily as such. And, you know, while I did think that there, I thought it was a little further away for uh, Apple TV change than now, uh, I did think that eventually one would come and I would just wait for that because I have iPhone users in the house. My, my wife is an iPhone user and I have not found a third-party Fire TV app that works well as an AirPlay mirror. There are some out there, but they're buggy. They don't work well. And she loves to do that. She loves to have people over and pull up a video on her phone and share it and whatnot. So I don't see why I wouldn't keep having an Apple TV in the house. It's a low-profile. Sure, it takes up an extra HDMI port or whatever. I would rather have that and keep that simplicity and also just keep that open so that if for some reason I want to go take that fire stick and put it elsewhere, I can go and I can do that. And, you know, I have it working just fine. So I think this will probably be something that I do buy. And again, like I said, there's been a couple of times where there was an app here and there that came up that I would have liked to have gotten. I can't remember what they were anymore, but but at least I'll have that opened again uh, because I think that the Apple streaming boxes are pretty good. I think they're pretty reliable. I think that they uh, do have good feature set. And they also, while they do get a little bit slow as some of the platform changes, 
the reality is I'm still using a third generation Apple TV yeah. and it works mm -hmm. great for Netflix. I don't think That's it's fair. as slow as other like the first couple of generation of Roku's. They really slowed down to the point where you could use them after a while. This third generation is still capable of working. It's just with the firmware and the OS involved, it's, they can't update it. And I, I don't know the specifics. It might have something to do with the rights protection on it or, or something like anyway. I've been looking forward to updating eventually, and I don't, I'm a Roku household. I only really have one Apple TV, and I'm looking forward to upgrading that. And to be clear, I'm looking forward to both getting a sixth generation for here in the house and then getting a cheaper fifth generation when it goes on sale to my daughter for her to take away to college. So no, she's not going to get six. She's going to get a fifth, but I, I'm unwilling to pay full price for the fifth generation right now knowing that it'll be on sale in a week. So one thing, comparison-wise, comparing a current-gen Apple TV to a Roku box or a Roku stick, not exactly a fair comparison. They're targeting different markets based off the price point. If you want to look at the equivalent product on Apple TV, you're looking at like the Shield TV that's out there, which is the NVIDIA Android TV device that's comparable. Now, the nice thing with the Apple TV is I have one. I really enjoy it. HDR10, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, Sound, most apps that I want are supported on it. It's a good setup. If you're an iOS house, it's much more convenient. So like I use my iPad, if I want to throw something on screen, it's great to use AirPlay. If you're mostly an Android house, you might be better off looking at something like the Shield TV, which is equivalent spec wise, just on the Android side of the house, equivalent price wise. And just for comparison's sake, the first one of those came out in 2015 and they are still supporting them to this day. They still use and run the same applications same version of Android TV, stuff like that. So if you're on the Android side of the house, you might want to research looking into those. I will say the thing that makes me laugh is that Apple continues to have two different storage tiers on the Apple TV, which is the biggest ripoff effort because in today's streaming world, you don't store anything locally on those boxes. And if you're not playing any games, your apps are like 300 megs. So how are you going to hit 64 gigs on 300 meg apps? I am going to, because I have kids and they do like to play games, I that's what I'm getting the storage for. And I've long since known with Apple products that you got to go for the most storage because they last a long time. By the time you end of life them, you're maxing out their capabilities. So that's what I'm looking forward to here. And to uh, respond to your Shield TV comment, I have been looking for one for my great room for months but they've been sold out and not available matter of fact shield when they tv do come, pro is out of yes, stock the right, stick right. one is now side note you can pre-order one on best buy right now i might have ordered one today to get in their queue i don't know when it's going to ship but you can actually order it oh, that's the order good. place because so, the deal websites have been coming up whenever they've been available and they get sold out within minutes yeah covid19 really impacted the supply stream for the nvidia shield tvs because when it comes to the high spec android tv box it's Shield TV, and there's really no other competitor in the Android TV market. The $50 Android TV sticks are not going to be equivalent to that. They don't have the same kind of horsepower. They don't have the same kind of long-term support. All right. Well, before we go on to the next news point here, or our last news point, I just want to quickly say that I think we should all acknowledge that John Processor was the first one to let us know all about this. I'm pretty sure he's also the one that got the leaks on the iPhone 12s as well. 
Ah, uh, well, there you go. John Processor. Uh, let's wrap it up here with some community news. Chris, what's going on? This is about your community, your personal community. Uh, it's about a show called Community that I really liked. Uh, for those that aren't aware, Community was a show that was on NBC. It ran six seasons. Well, I think it was five and then a sixth season on Yahoo screen or something like that. But why has Community become such a big deal again? Well, recently, Netflix acquired the rights in addition to Hulu to stream Community, and it's gotten a huge second wind, tons of memes, tons of social media comments about it. It sparked a whole new interest in the series. And one of the running gags on Community was hashtag six seasons in a movie. Uh, they were going to go for the movie side of things. And it might be possible now because of all the eyes on it. And there's been a lot of things that might have helped with that. One of those things that helped is a lot of the mid-2010 NBC comedies from Thursday night have been reunited in various ways for charity. They did a Parks and Rec live table read via like Zoom. They've done the same thing with an episode of Community that'll be released, I believe, this evening as we are recording this podcast. And during that episode or that live table read, they were able to talk to series creator Dan Harmon about, is there any truth to the rumor that the six seasons in a movie hashtag might finally happen? In an interview with The Wrap, he said, I can tell people that the enthusiasm for community, both for all this time and the resurgence of it on Netflix, there's always an aspect of that that affects the marketplace. And when the marketplace gets affected, conversations happen. And when conversations happen, things happen. He continued and said, I mean, when you're part of the community family, you learn never to raise expectations, keep them nice and low and be pleasantly surprised. So I can say that there are conversations happening that people would want to have, want to be happening. And that I'm very, very excited about the coming months. So Dan Harmon has seemingly hinted that a potential spinoff movie might be happening. They've done some interviews with the cast, including Joel McHale, who said that Sony Pictures has reached out to Allison Brie and a few of the other actors trying to gauge interest. And I would assume Netflix would want to be interested since, or involved rather, since they own some of the streaming rights to it. It's interesting how this comedy has kind of made a resurgence. It's something that was very much supported by a lot of internet fandoms, a lot of internet movements to get behind them, similar to what kept the show Chuck alive on NBC. It was the fans that did the same for Community. Now, we do know Dan Harmon. He's plenty busy. He did sign a massive deal with Cartoon Network for, I believe it was another seven or ten seasons of Rick and Morty. But it does sound like he is down to finish the second half of these six seasons in a movie hashtag movement. There are also conversations, and it looked like from some of the interviews done with Donald Glover that while he's super busy, he seemed to be open to the idea of returning. Donald Glover, who played Troy on the show Childish Gambino, was his rap persona. He had the This Is America music video that came out. His star has become so much bigger than it was on Community. Also doing the show at Atlanta on FX, I believe it was. He would probably be the hardest person to get back. And it seemed like on the Joel McHale and Ken Jeong Darkest Timeline podcast that he would be on board with that. So fingers crossed, if you're a Community fan, it's been off the air since 2015, 2016, I think it was. And we might actually get the movie part of hashtag six seasons in a movie. I'm cautiously optimistic, but if they have everyone involved that was there before, aside from Chevy Chase, because he doesn't get along with Dan Harmon and was famously fired from the show, could be pretty fun. I'm I'm happy. I love this show. So give me some more about it. I was outside the panel for I've never seen the show, but I was outside the panel for community at Comic-Con in San Diego in 2011. And just they had to close the doors because there were literally 
like five times as many people as they had available in the room. It wasn't Hall H. It was one of the ho- one of the hotels on the other side of the um, of the complex. But yeah, there was a lot of interest into community. It was very popular in things like Comic Con and stuff like that. Tons of panels and stuff like that. That's a lot of what kept it alive. And if you go and look at some of the people that were in that show, they've gone on to doing some huge things. I mentioned Donald Glover. Uh, Brie Larson, who uh, Captain Marvel herself, did multiple episodes of Community at one point in time. Al- Allison Brie has moved on to do Glow on Netflix to rave reviews and things like that. So they just had caught lightning in a bottle and had a really good group of folks. And a lot of them have moved on to some really cool, bigger projects. So much like when they brought Arrested Development back together again, that's going to be the hard part is getting these busy actors with the time on their schedule to come back and be able to do this again. No matter how willing they are, their schedules are probably very tough to arrange. I love the reunion that we had with Parks and Rec. It was, you know, a live at home show that was filmed and it was literally about the stay at home and just the characters that had moved forward. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have gotten a Parks and Rec uh, reunion show just because the all the actors are, are doing a gazillion different things. You would never be able to get them in the same place at the same time long enough to film a reunion episode of Parks and Rec. So that was awesome. And I know how people, how fans just love their shows. So I'm, I'm glad for the fans of community that they're getting their, their show or they might be getting their show here. I also have not watched this. So that's my feedback. It's on Netflix now. Started in 2009. You got, you got time to watch it now. What's this Netflix? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What do they call it? Canada flicks in Canada? <laughs> It's actually Netflix, eh? That's what it is. <laughs> Netflix, eh? Netflix, a. It's a boot time for Netflix, eh? I also didn't watch this from the beginning. I was prompted after San Diego Comic-Con, I think it was the next year after that, I was prompted to actually start watching it. So it just r- jumped right in versus starting from the beginning. I just didn't get into it. Uh, I don't know if it wouldn't have resonated with me from the beginning or not, but I've never gone back to the beginning. But to anybody that's going to watch Community and never has watched it before, Due to my experience, I would say go back to the first season and start from there. Otherwise, you might end up in my situation. This is a show that took three seasons to do a Beetlejuice gag. I'm I'm not even kidding. In season one, they mentioned Beetlejuice one time. In season two, they do. And then the third time when someone says Beetlejuice, there's a dude that walks by behind in the background in a Beetlejuice suit. Just stupid little things like that that you don't notice until you go back and be like, wait, why the hell did this guy walk by? You're like, oh, they said Beetlejuice three times. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. There's all sorts of little gags that run multiple seasons. It's not unprecedented. How I Met Your Mother spent years setting up Slaps Giving. Mm -hmm. This is true. Well, on that note, that's going to take us to the end of the show. Before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Let's start off with SP. So for those of you that are into the Marvel comic TV shows, we've got our last Marvel TV show that is going to air on the 27th of March called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is the seventh and final season and pretty much just the last thing that's come out of Marvel TV. And the reason why that is, is they filmed it last year to be aired this summer. So it was all in the can, all ready to go. It starts March or May 27th and I am going to be covering it on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is a podcast that was started to cover Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. way back in 2013. It is 2020. We are covering the seventh season. So that's going to be awesome to see 
it come to fruition. And if you're interested, go to legendsofshield.com and you will find the Gonna Geek page that Legends of Shield resides on and you will see all our past episodes. Chris Farrell, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Yes. So in the coming coming weeks, we know I like to get new toys and the talk about them weeks. on the show. You said the, cu- the, the cupping weeks. So we're gonna we're gonna cup some weeks. Excuse me. In the coming weeks, excuse me, I misspoke. We're gonna be talking about a few new toys. I gotta like to review things, and they both literally came in the mail this afternoon, like one at two o'clock and one at one o'clock. So I had no time to be able to prepare them for the show this week. But just so you guys are aware. There'll be some Chris reviews of the Google Pixel Buds 2 second generation. Those just arrived today. I've had a chance to play with them. Think of them as AirPod competitors, the Apple version. And then when it comes to streaming boxes, I enjoyed the fact that we were talking about the uh, new iPads. TiVo just put out an Android TV box that is down to like 50 bucks for their premiere. So I bought one of the TiVo Stream HDs, which is a 4K HDR Dolby Atmos streamer that has... It runs Android TV, has Google Assistant baked into it, and has some TiVo-S aspects into it. I haven't had a chance to even unbox it and plug it in yet, but I will be reviewing that coming up in the future. Uh, if you've been on Reddit, it doesn't look like early reviews on this are very good, so hopefully they do a software update sometime wait, soon. Wait, wait to tease it and then say, eh, I don't think it's going to be very good. Well, <laughs> no, I, wanted to say that, I wanted to say that out front because there are probably some folks who are hearing me talk about that. Go, oh, I might want to check that out because Chris has one. I can't tell you whether it's a good or a bad idea to buy one yet because I haven't tried it. I have read some of the reviews and initial impressions on the TiVo subreddit, the Android TV subreddit, And it seems like this came out a little too soon. That doesn't necessarily mean there's not a software update coming out tomorrow that fixes a lot of the issues they have. And it seems like a lot of day one issues that can be fixed later down the road, like they've got HDR turned on for everything. So if you're watching SDR content with HDR on, it's semi-problematic. Those are things that can be fixed. The HDMI CEC control stuff seems to be a bit wonky. And people are reporting that when the device wakes up, it turns on your TV using HDMI CEC, which you don't necessarily want if it's just the device like turning on to do a software update or something like that. So there's some stuff that presumably needs ironed out. I am not going to do this review first for the Stream HD. I'm going to do the Pixel Buds one first because I want to give them a chance to put out the first update. And this is going to be a more complex device to look at, review. Headphones are, do they play music well? Do the smart assistant features work? What little quirks and things like that do I like? So look for this probably about three, four weeks from now. And this may be in the Pixel Buds maybe in a week or two. So those are called what? The Pixel what? Pixel Buds 2. I have a phone and so do you. Look at that. It's a Pixel 2. That makes us Pixel Buddies for life. Some of the music heard was by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Uh, okay, so obviously, you know me. Uh, I'm in the market for eventually a decent pair of wireless earbuds as well. Uh, like I'm for mowing the lawn and whatever. Uh, but if that's the case, like let's say you like the Pixel Buds. Let's say I eventually get the Pixel Buds. Then we would need to amend that whole jingle there so that we could be the Pixel Bud buddies. Like because I feel like that has to happen, Chris Farrell. It might have to happen, but these these Pixel Buds are not available in Canada yet. They're not. 
Bore they shame. just came out here, and there's a very nice click. Yeah, we're gonna start an AMS, ASMR channel of me just going. Ooh. All right. <laughs> well, before we go, I'd also like to plug something, and I would like to plug Chris Farrell's ASMR channel. Uh, check that out. <laughs> so, can you get a tick watch in Canada, or are they only available in America too? I think you can. I'm pretty sure tick watches are available up here. But- I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend anyone buy an Android Wear device. Excuse me, <laughs> Google Smart. They changed the name of Android Wear now, also, and I still would not really recommend anyone buy one at this point in time because it's all kind of poopy. Yeah. Oh, I thought thought you liked the tick watch. I do, but it is limited and it has and it is a bit long in the tooth at this point in time. It's a watch that's two years old and future support of Wear OS is not necessarily looking promising. There's rumors of a Pixel Watch, but even then, uh, I really wish uh, Apple Watches worked on Android. Let's put it that way. Also, by the way, um, if you also want to get the uh, Amazon Echo Buds, sorry, I was trying to think of the name, the Echo Buds in Canada, you also can't get those. So, yay! That's why I like Marka! Fly my flag for the audio listener. Marka, that's where you get all the good stuff. It's not like you can't obtain anything from America. I can't. I don't know a single person that lives in America. <clears throat> it's not like you're within, oh, I don't know, 50 miles of the Canadian border. Right, because it's so easy to go there from my location. Well, you got a drone. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, for episode 331 of the officialgonnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew telling the Canadian authorities I will not fly my drone to America. I'm MSP Sam, looking forward to Apple updates this year. I'm Chris Farrell, and I'm Steven's Pixel Buddy. Seriously, we got to get you a a ASMR cast. Got to do it. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Practice those mouth noises. for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.